Welcome to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and staff achieve peak economic and practice efficiency so there is time and energy to focus on patient care and a happy life. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-hosts, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. Welcome to episode 51 of the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-host, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. And today we are going to discuss, is patient care better with clinical pathways and good coding? And our assertion is yes, and we're going to have a discussion as to why that is and give you some ideas on, on what exactly why exactly the patient, the clinical pathways are impacted by coding and how. And um, Mark, I know, has been doing a lot of work on this and having discussions with some groups recently and uh, wanted to share kind of first why that's important. And then uh, Ray and I will kind of ask him a few questions and also chime in with our opinion on why those things are important and why they go hand in hand together. So, you want to tell us what you've been doing, Mark, and your discussions? Sure. And so I'm going to start off with a couple of different things on all this. So one, you know, the definition of a clinical pathway, I think a lot of people think of clinical pathways and probably one of the the better published ones that we've dealt with recently um, was, is the one developed by SUFU um, for incontinence, where you know, you essentially have the patient check in, what needs to happen at that visit, and then you kind of have a pathway that leads them through the whole treatment process. Um, and, you know, if this, then that type of things. Um, and and if you can get to that level, um, I, I think that's great. And ultimately, um, when I look at those types of pathways, um, you know, you've, you've got really a, a kind of a consistency or a guide that runs across the practice as to how to treat patients, but also what to charge at each level and what to document at each level. And, and as you know, as we've taught things over the years, you know, good coding is all based on excellent documentation. And we have been in over the last couple of weeks, addressing a number of different issues all related to documentation and coding such as make sure that all the tests that you order are justified make sure you use your test results in your medical decision making these are all foundational pieces that tie back into clinical pathways and and i'm going to add a little bit a, a, another layer into clinical pathways that's not as broad as the whole SUFU piece, but maybe uh, actually more narrowly tied to when you do when you order particular tests. And one of the big ones we've been working with recently are PCR tests. You know those. You know when should a patient have a PCR, which is uh, of course a, a genomic detail of of a UTI and what the what the the bugs that are found uh, are susceptible to. Um, you know that's probably that's an expensive test, um, and and there are there should be restrictions on when you do that and and developing when those are ordered 
really equates to a miniature clinical pathway. So I, I don't think everybody needs to think of a clinical pathway as a full-blown disease process treatment, but can be made up in the practice of a bunch of specific guidelines as to when tests should be ordered, why, and what results you're looking for. And, and most physicians have this all in their head. Um, but if you can actually get this written down and agreed to across the practice, it leads to a, several different things. Um, so number one, you now have a standardized coding methodology on how to report all those services. Number two, and, and I think actually probably more importantly, you now have a, a, a very standardized approach as to what needs to be documented in order to move to that test or procedure. And, and that allows you to really truly develop your documentation, be it in, in dot phrases or templates that tie patient condition specifically to the tests and procedures that you're ordering. And, you know, those processes are, are really great for patient care. They also can help you build um, office flow and scheduling based on the way patients are presenting to your practice. Um, you can start looking at, at ways to move patients into appropriate therapies um, more quickly um, and get them to their cure rates so that you and your busy practice can now move on to the next patient, um, at, which, is, which is really one of the goals that I think all, all physicians are starting to work towards and need to based on the shortage of urologists that are out there. So it, it, it just has a great impact across the board and it is so integrated. Um, and then the final piece that I'll add into this overall process is tracking, right? If you've got clinical pathways and you've got good documentation and you've got coding, um, and actually, I'm not going to make this the final piece, but the second to the final piece. Now you've got ways to actually um, see how everybody is functioning within those pathways because you have coding patterns that you're looking for. Um, so you've got a you can't have really one without the other. And and now the final final piece is when you go when you're dealing with an insurance company. You know, in the end. Medical necessity is the best defense for coverage. And good, solid documentation that you did what you did is important, but that doesn't always equate to coverage. So when you fall back on proven clinical pathways, and again, this could be um, test or procedure specific or disease specific, you now have not only the documentation, that you've dealt with and built appropriately, the coding that's appropriate. But you also now have some secondary medical necessity and peer-reviewed support for all that you're doing. So you've got a, a ready-made package to, th to throw at the, the payers to not only get paid accurately, but covered, a better chance of having those coverages for everything that you do. I think it just... It ties together so nicely 
in the overall process that, uh, you know, it, it's something I think every practice should really pursue. And you don't have to eat the entire elephant all at the same time. Take one or two procedures a month and just start building those things. And I, and I, that, that sounds, uh, like good advice because thinking of your, you know, all that's in a urologist decision-making and, you know, what they're thinking and trying to map that out seems like a huge task, but I do think taking a small bite and approaching it that way makes a lot of sense because, you know, ultimately it is patient care that, that is the ultimate goal and, and providing that quality patient care you know, you want to get that patient to the, the correct treatment and the, the outcomes that you want. And those, th- that process, you're so right. Getting it into a logical step-by-step process and how do you treat and what are the outcomes and the documentation and, and the coding that goes along with that is, is all very integrated. Yeah, it really is. I'll make a couple of points. When we talk about coding, we think in terms of identification, documentation, and communication. So the end result is the correct code. And when you're talking about good patient care, you it's now based on data. And not only will you fit the path, the pathways, but now if you do have knowledge of the physician and the coder, so you are accurately identifying, documenting, and eventually coding all services provided, you now have accurate data on which to base your treatment processes on. Yeah. To what you're saying, and and I totally agree, is that, you know, our approach to leaving coding and billing separate from clinical isn't really beneficial to the practice or the overall care. You know, we've preached forever that the entire process of billing is a team process. And, And the reality is billing is an integral of patient care. That's just the way the system is built. So the more you can integrate your documentation, your clinical, and your billing across the board, the better you are. I mean, it, it is all about the same thing. Without the clinical, there's no reason to bill. Without billing, you're not going to be around to actually provide the clinical. It has to be tied together and integrated. Um, and then... The other thing I always <clears throat> run into, uh, so I'll bring up really quickly in all of this, is if you set up really strict clinical pathways, what happens to that patient that's almost there but not quite? Like it just takes off some of the art of medicine. And there's still a lot of art, and, and I, I'll, I'll, I'll right now reflect on the fact that <clears throat> we've, we're seeing a shift in the way BPH is treated. You know, for a long time, it was pretty much patient comes in with BPH and LUTs, send them out with a drug and see how it works. Um, but now we're starting to, to see a shift where 
we're doing a few more diagnostic tests up front, you know, um, some urodynamics or a Eurocuff and a Euroflow and really trying to get better data before we actually try a clinical pathway. And and some folks are still saying, well, we'll try this, but we'll try it for a shorter period of time. And then we might move more towards a TERP or uh, a Eurolift or a Resume. Um, or, or, and, and there's new technology coming down the pipeline and all this stuff. So all of this evolves. And, and so don't get stuck in thinking that these things are, A, the be-all, end-all. They are strong guides, but they have to be living because we keep learning um, as we go. So it's a, it's a, it really is a combination across the board. And you can't let billing tell you you can't do what you know you need to do clinically and you can't let the clinical side get too far ahead of your billing. So you need to understand and have that integration across the board. So how would you recommend, uh, let's, you, you're, let's say you're consulting for a practice. You go in there and they want to develop a clinical pathway for you know, BPH. Who would you get in the room with that clinical pathway? I mean, to develop that complete uh clinical pathway. I mean, obviously you need the urologist, but would you include the coders and billers to really have that discussion as well? Or how would you set that up? So I would definitely have an administrative person involved. I don't know that I would bring the billers and coders necessarily um, into that initial step, Um, but there's got to be a tie with the administrative, with somebody in the back office side that that now takes what's developed and builds and then brings it to the billing and coding team. And then you would have a meeting with the clinical staff and billing and coding. So take the steps that are in place. And you do want to have that, that meeting and the meeting of the minds, but you want to make sure you do it in the right order. It's, you know, death by committee is, is a real thing. Um, so, you need to make sure that that the communication is there, but you may not want, want to have everybody in the planning stage at, at step one. It needs to start with clinical, and then you need to integrate the billing, in my opinion. So that's where I would start it. And I would also say, again, BPH as a pathway is a big chunk, right? So maybe in that whole process, you come up with a, a global general pathway, and then the, the things you spit out first are what tests am I going to order and why, when, build those, and then just layer things up until you have the full process built out. So, you know, don't necessarily start with a with an idea of the global pathway, but build build from the bottom up. Those would be what I would recommend to, to folks. Ray? And in the end, you mentioned, Mark, uh, the clinical comes from the, the the clinicians, and once you get that set up, it should be a combination of the clinician and the coder that sets up the the the, the need for documentation and the actual codes that will be provided for each of the uh, services. Yep, and and in that, the one thing we have skipped on all of this. And, and, and you should not, um, is you, you still have the office flow portion of this. So that means your schedulers, your prior auth folks, 
and your MAs and the people who set things up in the office. Those have to be, those folks need to be brought into the loop as well. Because if, if you're not getting your patients teed up and, and pushed in in the right order, and you don't have the equipment scheduled where it needs to be, you're going to fail as well. So again, top to bottom, that integration is key. So are there times when a clinical pathway is impacted by coverage? Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it is one of those things that in the end, it's impacted by coverage that exists. But I will also say that, again, as you build your information and it is logically built on medical necessity, you know, you, it may take time to get the coverage to match what really should be done in clinical care. Um, but um, it, I think in the long run, if you can demonstrate what you're doing and show the medical necessity and support that that's there, you can get there. So the, the system evolves slowly and it takes multiple parts to get there. And ultimately, not everybody arrives at the end, at the goal line at the same time. That's just the way it works. So that, that's a reality that everybody has to deal with. And we might add that you, you may have a clinical pathway that's pretty tight, but not every patient's going to fit in. So if you treat a patient that doesn't fit your clinical pathway, you need to be sure and document what you've done that's different and why. Yeah, I agree. I, I think in the end... You know, these are guidelines. The clinical pathways are guidelines, and they are based on presenting problems with the patients. And not every patient is the same that fits into a nice little puzzle shape. I mean, that's that's the reality as well. And so, being able to to go to go off pathway with appropriate uh, support and reasoning based on the patient's condition should always be a part of everything that you do. Because it is, it is a reality of medicine. You're building it for the average, and and of course the average is the average. There's still outliers. There's still people that don't fit the average. So you're you're shooting for the average. So uh, one one other question for me, just just looking at the the big big picture. Okay, let's say you have your practice all set up. You've got your clinical pathways developed, and uh, you know, and they're they're good, good, solid pathways, and they're working for you. Could you look at your patient mix coming in and predict what your income stream could be? So you can, um, without a doubt. I mean, that's that's one of the things you can start looking at, and it does take some back-end mining of your data, and there are people that are starting to do that, and that's both clinical and billing. Um, so... You know, those statistics and those numbers are achievable um, and, you know, but they're a ways off for some of this. And, you know, you need to, again, start at the beginning, you know, with the idea that in, in the long run, you're going to get there, but it's not going to be tomorrow. It's going to take time. All right. And what about, uh, you know, what about a lot of these, uh, you know, we got teaching institutions and, you know, and and those folks uh, providing care, uh, you know, that that becomes 
has become less important as far as the reimbursement side of things for the, those groups. Why, why is, you know, you've, you've kind of given a good argument why this is important. How else can a uh, academic or teaching facility benefit from the coding and the information they're getting? So in the end, they're still providing clinical care. They fit the same mold. You know, in the end, you know, they, they, a lot of academic institutions now are starting at different points, right? So they may have a situation where a lot of the pre-work and the, the tee up is done and they're getting, you know, the, the complex case at the back end. So the pathways are different or the decision-making processes are slightly different, um, but in the end, it still translates to clin clinical care, and ultimately, most of the academic uh, institutions now have some RVU uh, processes in place, so they still base things on CPT codes, and so I actually don't see them as majorly different. Um, I think there's some coverage issues and ties that some of the folks don't have to pay as much attention to in their own mind because they're tied on on a different level to billing. Um, but in the end, it's still about clinical care measurables, and you and you need both the action, which is your coding, your documentation, um, and the clinical presentation across the board. So they still all tie together the same way. You just have some different pressures um, within the system to get there, but they, they need the same. And Ray, what about, uh, you know, your mission with, uh, with residents and really getting residents uh, up to speed in coding? How do you want to proceed with that? Or what's your, what's your thoughts on the residents and getting them up to speed and why is it important in, immediately to get those guys up to well speed. it's it's important for urologists in general and all physicians in general to have some knowledge of the system and and do their part as a member of the team and no one is more knowledgeable and can do more to uh, improve the data that and the billing accuracy than a provider of the service that identifies the service, documents the service, and accurate communicates that to the the uh, and uh, to the billing department. And we've found that it's a little bit harder to convince the the older urologist that they need to learn. When we get in the habit of doing things, we think that is accurate, the best way of doing it. But in our audits, we can show that uh, the, the team that uh, the physician uh, actually uh, sends all of that information to a coder and asks them to abstract, uh, there is difference of interpretations, sometimes inaccuracy. So the mission is to catch the, the clinician early, teach them the basics so they can do their part in identification, accurate documentation, and in the end, accurate billing. 
All right. Any uh, any anything more to add, Mark or Ray? I, no, uh, I think Mark's yeah. done a good job. I well, I'll add good luck. I mean, it is. It's not easy. I mean, the the phrase "hurting cats and physicians" is <laughs> is are commonly equated. Um, so, you know, one of the one of the toughest things you run up against is is you know really that agreement on how to do everything um and and still maintain the practice level that somebody has had or is is working for so um again that's one of the reasons why i, I suggest the foundational approach build from the bottom up agree on the pieces before you before you put the building together so um it it does take a little bit it needs to be coordinated and you do need everybody on board all right. With that, final word to you, Ray. Happy Cody. Thank you for listening to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and staff achieve peak economic and practice efficiency so there's time and energy to focus on patient care and a happy life. Special thanks to Carl Painter. For the music today, you can find his music under his record label, The Juicery, with extra pulp and special guests.